This is a Spirit of Truth Radio Network original program. Finding our spirituality is part of our spiritual journey, and it is through prayer and meditation that God guides us along the way. Joining me along the way is a man that has found his spirituality in the Society of Jesus, also known as the Jesuits. He is the author of Abide in the Heart of Christ, a 10-day personal retreat that is rooted in Ignatian spirituality. He is also the National Director of the Pope's Prayer Network, Father Joe Laramie. Father, welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here today. You know, I've been following you on Facebook. You've got a lot of great posts and stuff. But one thing that I'm really, really impressed with and, and really wanted to talk to you about is the ne- you are the National Director of Pope's Prayer Network. The Jesuits started it over 100 years ago. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, we have a, a beautiful history. Um, we go back... 177 years to France to a, a group of young Jesuits who basically started a little prayer group. I'll say more about that in a minute. We go even further back to basically a series of visions by a saint named St. Margaret Mary Alico. She was a young religious sister in France, and her spiritual director was a Jesuit. You know, when in doubt, bring in the Pope's Marines. So, <laughs> she was having these experiences around the Sacred Heart of Jesus, very powerful, also somewhat confusing. She talked to her superior, who said, you know what, there's this really great chaplain down the road, let's bring him in. Very quickly, uh, St. Claude de la Colombière, French Jesuit priest, said, you know what, this is from the Lord, this is fully consistent with scripture and tradition, and you know, Jesus loves me, this I know, for he himself has told me so. There's nothing new here, but Christ is speaking to us in a powerful way of his love, his closeness to us. And this message uh, is, you know, important in the 1600s and probably even more so today. But this is the Pope's prayer network. So there's, are we praying for the Pope's intentions? <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, I talk about kind of uh, three pillars to, uh, to my organization. So we help all people grow in prayer in three main ways. So... Devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, Ignatian Spirituality, and the Monthly Prayer Intentions of the Holy Father. And, you know, I think these all sort of hang together in a, in a special way and even kind of enliven one another. So in kind of the early days of this group, so young Jesuits just praying together at the beginning of the day saying, hey, let's offer our hearts to the heart of Jesus every day. And especially we're going to pray for our guys who are out there in the trenches maybe preaching the gospel in persecuted lands, um, in mission territory, even just some of the sleepy parishes uh, around Europe, but trusting that if we're united with the heart of Jesus, then he can share those graces with those who need them the most. The Pope saw this as a really good thing, um, and starting in the 1800s, the Popes have said, hey, this is great. I want to help you. I want to bless you. And even as my unique role as head of the church, I can maybe point you in a direction where some of those graces might be needed. Um, So even we changed the name a couple of years ago. That was before I stepped into the role. So we're also known as the Apostleship of Prayer in different parts of the world. It's kind of gone by different names, but um, really a beautiful way of starting our day united with the heart of Jesus. Was there membership to this? Um, Yeah, we... uh, Again, back in the day, you would send in a little envelope with your name on it. So St. Therese of Lisieux was a card-carrying member of the Apostleship of Prayer in France. 
nowadays we do still have uh, membership roles. You know, people can get on our email list, our mailing list. But we also talk about sort of spiritual membership. If you're praying this way every day, that's great. You know, we've got a website that has the resources, so we don't necessarily have to mail you something. So what kind of prayers are, because we, we know that there's like the, you know, obviously the mass, the, the liturgy of the hours, um, the rosary. Is there a format to this, this prayer that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, kind of the, the cornerstone would be this little morning offering prayer. Uh, it starts off like this. Oh, Jesus, through the immaculate heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day. And then towards the end of that prayer, you can add on, uh, especially for the intention of the Pope this month. And we're in February right now, and we're praying for an end to violence against women, which, uh, gosh, can be a real scourge in many societies nowadays. In the month of March, we're going to pray for a renewal of the Sacrament of Reconciliation. You know, gosh, I, I need confession. I go myself. I also hear them. So it's kind of a wide-ranging set of intentions there. But, you know, I'm starting my day trying to be unified with the heart of Jesus. It's, it's a prayer of offering. You know, even a little bit like think about the Mass. So the priest raises the bread and wine, calls down the Holy Spirit to transform these gifts into truly the body and blood of Christ at Mass. And, you know, we're kind of asking for something similar. We're saying, okay, Lord, I want to offer you my heart, even on your altar. And I ask you to transform my heart more and more to make it like yours. Now, as a priest, I can make that prayer in church. You know, I got keys to the church. I can get in there pretty easily. Other folks, you know, you might do this at the beginning of Mass. But, you know, in coronavirus world, maybe you just want to do it from your home. Mm-hmm. Even to do it maybe first thing in the morning before you even have that first cup of coffee to start your day with Christ. And that's how you start your day, right? Right on. One of the few things I do before my coffee. Nice. Father, a question that I've, I've always wanted to ask, and I guess I have to ask God's Marine Corps, how is our prayer life affected by our spirituality? And what I mean by that is, do Jesuits pray differently than, say, a Carmelite or do or Franciscans? Does, does our spirituality guide our, our spirituality? <laughs> sure. Yeah, you know, this is really part of the beauty of the church, right? So there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And then all these really interesting people that are drawn to him. Um, So still just one Lord. And yet we've got uh, saints from around the world, with different personalities, um, different little aspects of Christ or the gospels that they might highlight. Let's say um, St. Benedict, okay, Uh, great founder of the monastic life. So monks, um, that spirit of ora et labora, so prayer and labor. It's really tied closely into the liturgy, so the mass, but also uh, the liturgy of the hours, so these psalms that monks pray several times a day. You know, to be more and more drawn into the liturgy is really kind of the the rhythm of life and of the life of the church. Now, St. Ignatius Loyola um, and some of these kind of missionary type saints, you know, in a sense, theirs is designed to be a kind of portable spirituality. Now, again, we're also going to see a lot of connections and overlap here, right? But Ignatius and the guys, like, they're out in Asia. They're out on the frontiers, on the mission lands. Um, certainly, they're praying the Psalms, but sometimes doing it alone because they're sort of way out there. But this, you know, spirit of offering my day to the Lord, 
even something like the examination of conscience prayer, which is another kind of a cornerstone of Ignatian spirituality. Maybe the end of the day, thinking about, praying about, Lord, how have you been at work in my day? What are a few blessings, a few graces? Because who knows, as a Jesuit, I've been teaching high school or I've been uh, working in a parish or out in the missions. So again, there, there's some, some differences for sure among these different saints, but again, it's all united to the one Christ. So that's it's, it's really why we are the universal Catholic Church, because our the church assimilates itself to society, perfects that society, and brings it towards perfection. Is that a fair assessment? That's right. And again, even kind of the, you know, different personalities, uh, different, different sort of jobs or states in life. Um, mm -hmm. You know, let's say a grandmother who's, you know, maybe at home quite a bit. Her life has a kind of quietness about it. It could be her life is a little bit like the monks, you know, it's kind of marked by regular periods of prayer throughout the day. Um, whereas other folks, you know, a busy mom, um, a, a young dad working full time. It could be that in a sense, his life is a little more like the missionary, sort of a man on the move, um, a lady who's got the groceries and the dog and the stroller and the toddler um, and can kind of just look for these little kind of pockets in prayer throughout the day. But as a way of kind of sanctifying her day and seeing God at work amidst those activities. Father, what do you say to people when they, they don't have the time, but they are so busy, like raising, doing the, the work that God has given them to do, mm -hmm. raising a family. And what do you tell people when they don't have the time to actually get down on their knees and, or, or pray a daily rosary? Um, yeah. You know, I've got some Jesuit buddies, um, down in Louisiana, doing different jobs down there. And one of them, his favorite saying is, uh, you know, if you're too busy to hunt and fish, then you're too busy. And, you know, maybe prayer is kind of similar. Like, sure, the world's sort of busy and loud these days, but also to reflect, okay, you know, how am I spending my time? Um, mm -hmm. Again, many folks, we're not monks, like we're not in church kind of uh, throughout the day multiple times, but Sometimes it's like uh, salt and light, right? It's like the leaven in the loaf. Uh, it's like a little spiritual vitamin. You know, a little bit can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. Start my day with prayer. Maybe midway through, um, again, this little examine prayer to reflect a bit. Maybe at the end of the day, I can have even a little bit of uh, scripture or part of a rosary. So to just uh, reflect on my routine. I think it's been my experience that when I felt like the, the closest to God has been when I've been in those situations where I am so busy, but I, I just take and say an Our Father or Hail Mary or something. Mm -hmm. It's just, I, I think those are the things that make me warm God's heart. That you, Even in the midst of, you know, the, the day, you, you can just turn and look back at him. Absolutely. And again, a couple of little nuggets from St. Ignatius. Um, he says, okay, some of these familiar prayers that we have memorized, um, those are good to pray for sure. And then now and then we can also maybe slow them down a little bit, you know, if I've got a few minutes to, he says, just take it sort of word by word and almost kind of connect it with your breath. So, you know, he lived way before like this kind of new agey type spirituality, but it's, it's a kind of embodied spirituality to just, mm -hmm. you know, even just for a moment, I'll try to lead us in a couple words. So our, okay. Our father. Even just that, okay, our Father. So 
this is my father and this is our father. Yes, the Christian people and frankly, the whole world, God who is Lord of all. Our father who? Who? Father, what are you like? You know, who are you? I want to know you. Our father who art in heaven. Our father who art in heaven. So God who is Lord of all watching over us is yes, above us, but also, especially as Christians, we know he sends his son to be with us in the world, you know? And, you know, this is something we could do in any, with any prayer, the Hail Mary, the glory be. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, even just now and then slowing down some of these classic prayers to deepen them in my heart. I think that's important just to slow them down. It, it really makes a lot of sense because sometimes we just, we just recite them and, and don't give them any thought and good, good, uh, Good father. We think of the that scripture uh, or um, gospel. I'm not sure what which gospel it's from, but with the, about the pagans and the pagans. Oh, they they pray and they and they babble all these words and you know, not that they don't mean anything, but you're just like you're getting paid by the word. Um, you know, so I, that's a really great um, perspective to slow it way down and to understand word by word or to contemplate on the words because. You know, you do a rosary, you know, and a rosary is a great prayer. And sometimes I find myself just just going through, oh, Hail Mary, full grace, you know, Hail Mary, full grace, Hail Mary. And, you know, I got 20 minute drive to go where I'm going and want to be finished by the time I get there or something like that. It, it, it's good to good advice to slow it down. You don't need to go through the whole rosary. So thank you, Father, for, for that insight. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. One Lord who loves us and draws us to himself. Father, you're the, you are the author of Abide in the Heart of Christ, 10-Day Self-Retreat Guide. I am going to pick that up myself. It's available on uh, wherever you buy books, right? That's right. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's on Amazon. It's on Kindle. Uh, it's published by Ave Maria Press. You can uh, check it out there. Um, tell me about this book, Father, because 10 days, I mean, Aren't most retreats, aren't they more of a 33-day or 30-day or something? <laughs> sure. So all Jesuits uh, were asked to make an eight-day retreat, typically every summer. That's done in silence. And then we do a 30-day retreat our very first year in the order. So back when I was a boy of 22, I did that. And we do it again a few years after ordination to the priesthood. So I've now done two 30-day retreats and 28-day retreats. And I know what you're thinking. This guy should be a lot holier if he's been on that many retreats. (laughs) And you're right, but hey, we're getting there, right? And St. Ignatius- We're we're along the way, Father. We're along the way. (laughs) Amen. You know, part of his genius is really the flexibility of this format. So even in his time, he was directing people, yes, on 30-day silent retreats, including uh, a good friend of his named Francis Xavier, Perhaps you've heard of him. Uh, We named a couple schools after him because we were such (laughs) big fans. As well as directing folks on eight-day retreats. Sometimes these are priests and bishops. Sometimes they're doctors and lawyers. So Ignatius lives in Europe in the early 1500s. And, you know, these big cities, like, people are moving. You know, there's merchants. There's stuff going on. He would also say, okay, what about just giving me a weekend? Or what about I'll meet you once a week for two months and we'll kind of cover it while you're in the midst of your daily life, but you're carving out just a little bit of time for prayer. Mm -hmm. So this retreat, um, 
is based on a weekend retreat I gave uh, several times, especially Jesuit retreat houses will often do the weekend preached retreat format. So there's typically 10 talks over a weekend by one of the Jesuits. And, you know, my hope here is to say, yes, those retreat houses are great, but again, folks are busy or uh, could have trouble traveling. So what about a little booklet that you could use, maybe just carve out, oh, let's say 20 minutes to read the chapter and then 20 minutes for some prayer. You could do it 10 days in a row, but hey, it's your retreat. Maybe you want to do it um, over a weekend, kind of just pack it all together. Or maybe you say, all right, how about 10 Sundays in a row? I'll just carve out a little extra time. Um, again, part of the genius is the flexibility. What is, um, what is the essence of, of St. Ignatius's spirituality? I mean, what, what, what is it that, that gives the Jesuits that, it's almost like a laser focus on, on Jesus. Yeah, I, you know, I like to say, uh, St. Ignatius, if you asked him, he would say, you know, I'm not really doing anything new here. I'm just drawn on uh, this great wealth of spirituality in the Christian tradition. And then I would add on that really part of the Jesuit genius is we're really good at marketing. So we didn't invent the all boys Jesuit high school. We just saw a good thing, kind of stepped on the gas and we're off to the races. You know, a few phrases we talk about regarding uh, Ignatian spirituality would be definitely that examine prayer. You know, looking back on my day, my week, my month, and seeing how God is active. You know, Lord, I trust you. I love you. And if I look closely, I can see you blessing me, maybe through family, through friends, through a work project that, gosh, I was so nervous about it. I worked really hard and Thanks be to God. Actually, it's, it's bearing a lot of fruit. The beauty of nature, the sacraments in the church. So reflecting on my day, seeing God's work in my day. So seeking God in all things. That's a little phrase uh, that Ignatius wrote that shows up in his spiritual exercises. Seeking God in all things. Lord, I'm going to look for you and trust that, in fact, you're seeking me, Lord, in all these ways. Hmm. Another piece would be something called uh, Ignatian contemplation. So this is reading the Gospels and then applying my imagination to the Gospel passage. So let's say I see Jesus calling St. Peter. This is in Luke chapter 5. Jesus calls St. Peter. Okay, I want to look at that story, but also kind of use my imagination to enter into the story. The sights, sounds, and smells. So this is on the seashore. So maybe I recall moments when I've been, you know, near a big body of water. What, what are the sights, the sounds, the smells, you know, uh, those, those birds that can kind of fly around bodies of water looking for little bits of fish. Um, the sloshing of the waves against the side of the boat. Even to think about the weather, you know, this is the Middle East. So often enough, that sun is pretty bright and shining and might be pretty hot. Then to kind of focus in on the faces. Okay, these are real people. You know, this is not a fairy tale. These are historical living people who in Christian life are with us right now. The living God, Jesus himself, St. Peter, the saints who watch over us. You know, to look at St. Peter's face, maybe sunburned and tired. He's been out fishing all night and has caught nothing. This face of Jesus, the, the love and clarity in his eyes. 
perhaps some sweat on his brow as he is out there under the hot sun. You know, to kind of imagine even the sound of his voice calling to St. Peter. The look on Peter's face, the emotions underneath that expression. So, you know, this is a little method we can use in so many different gospel passages, you know, to encounter Mary more deeply, uh, St. Joseph more deeply. So, you know, these are a, a few of the kind of key pieces, I think, that uh, guide Jesuits in their prayer, but also are fruitful for other folks. You know, Father, as you as you were talking about um, the examined prayer and then went into the Ignatian contemplation, spiritual journaling came to mind. Would you recommend that to, to people? I'm a big fan. Yep. Um, you can get the fancy journal that costs 50 bucks that's imported from somewhere. But, hey, go to Walgreens, get a little, you know, cheap notebook. That's that's what I got right here. So you do it. I try to do it. Um I have it with me whenever I'm praying, at least, you know, if I'm driving, I might not be writing stuff down if I'm praying, but if I'm in the chapel, I will. And, you know, it varies. I might write down um, just some brief bullet points about little lines in scripture that grab me, um, little graces in the day. You know, I might write uh, half a page some days, other days, maybe just a couple words. And then, one of the important things is then to go back to it, to look at my journal. Lord, remind me, uh, show me again how you've blessed me. Mm -hmm. You know, I say we also need this, um, especially on these days when your life is like a bad country song. When your life is like a bad country song, that means your pickup won't start. Hound dog done died. <laughs> and your sweetheart don't love you no more. It's on those days we need to be reminded of these graces. And it's also okay to jot down challenging things. Lord, help me with this. Gosh, trying to get along with uh, a Jesuit brother who drives me crazy. And I probably drive him crazy too. Or this one high school class that is just driving me up a wall. To keep sort of offering those things to the Lord, to go back to him and see, gosh, Lord, some of these things you've really kind of resolved for me. You know, you helped me find some peace in that classroom. You helped me get along with that guy. Maybe we're not best buddies, but uh, there's more charity there. So I'm a fan of journaling. Even brief words can help a lot. I think that's something I want to I want to start doing myself. Uh, you know, I've, I've often threatened to do it, but I, I've never <laughs> I've never done it. But I I do see some value in it. Yeah, give it a try. And I'd say you know try it for a week. Like try to write even a single line for a week. And just mm -hmm. see what happens, okay? Doesn't have to take you a bunch of extra time, but there's a way to renew and deepen those graces. Now, in the, in, in the uh, Ignatian spirituality, there's, there's a lot of discernment and there's a lot of desolation and consolation. You got it, yep. Is that, is that something that you like to keep in your journal as well? Yep, yep. Um, so he's got... His, his masterpiece is The Spiritual Exercises, um, which, again, is a sort of guidebook for a retreat. Now, it's, it's sort of meant more for the Jesuit directing other people in a retreat. You know, mm -hmm. If you want to pick it up, I'm not going to stop you, but it's, it's, it's more meant for a director rather than somebody on retreat. Anyway, one of the sections in there is called Discernment of Spirits, where he helps us see how the Holy Spirit is working so we can welcome the action of the Holy Spirit and how the evil spirit works. So I can say no to him and shut the door in his face. 
Now, sometimes it's obvious, right? Um, I'm being tempted to commit a mortal sin. Okay, pretty obvious that's from the evil spirit. Okay, sometimes it's less clear, right? Life can get complicated. Um, these things can be a little more subtle. So Ignatius points out that the evil spirit sort of works in a few different ways. He tries to drag me down. He wants to sow doubt in my mind. Now, asking questions about the faith is actually a good thing. It can help me to grow. Uh, there's so many resources in the church these days. But if it's more like doubt, like, gosh, I can't tell anybody about this. Um, gosh, if I brought this to Jesus, he would probably just turn me away. Like, okay, flashing red light, like danger, Will Robinson. You know, this is not from the Holy Spirit. This is the evil spirit trying to drag you away. And some wisdom Ignatius offers is to say, okay, you're in desolation. You know, uh, you're feeling sad, upset, alone, even separated from God, perhaps. Okay, now to feel those things, many of the saints went through tough times, right? So it doesn't mean I'm doing anything wrong. I could be having some tough things happen um, in my health, in my family. But Ignatius says, okay, when you notice those things, I'm going to ask you to actually crank up your prayer a little bit. Okay? You don't have to triple your prayer, but our tendency actually is to sort of dial down prayer when we're struggling, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh gosh, nothing's happening in prayer. I don't even know if God's listening to me. Like, again, flashing red light. Okay, fight against that. Okay, the Latin word is agere contra, go against. Okay, I'm going to crank up my prayer a little bit. I'm going to add on a few minutes. If I can squeeze in a daily mass, I'm going to do it. Also, Ignatius says, tell a faithful person that you trust about some of your struggles. Okay, this could be in confession. Okay, even to just name some temptations in confession can be fruitful. Gosh, I, I got this temptation. I'm not falling into it. If it's, who knows, drugs or sex or something else. But if I just name it, it kind of dissipates the power, you know, it's not kind of this dark secret anymore, but I'm telling somebody I trust. I'm also cranking up my prayer a bit. I am maybe looking through my journal, okay, remembering, okay, Lord, you've blessed me in the past. Even just to look at my life history, let's say married folks, gosh, Lord, you've gotten us through some tough times. You've blessed us with children. You know, my life's not perfect, but also I can see your fingerprints, on my day, on my year, and I'm going to trust that you're still with me, Lord. And Ignatius says, basically, consolation is going to come back, okay? Again, one of the temptations of the evil spirit is to say, like, you're always going to be in this bad news world, you know? Things are never going to get better. Okay, that's, those are lies. These are, these are false words from a dark spirit. Um, so those are a few words of wisdom Ignatius offered. I, I can only imagine that abide in the heart of Christ is a, is a great way to start a Jesuit spirituality, but where, how can people start live a, a Jesuit spirituality? Because there are third orders for the Carmelites, the, the Dominicans, but um, I'm not quite sure. Is, is there a third order for the Jesuits? Great question. Um, we, we don't have one. Um, also, there's no women's branch of the Jesuits. So we're somewhat unique in a couple ways. Although sometimes we sort of, Talk about, you know, really our third order are the kids that go to our schools, their parents, the teachers that work at our schools, um, the lay people that help us out in these mission projects that we do. So, yeah, definitely there's a way these graces 
that are given to the saints are meant to be shared more widely in the church. How closely do you work with the Knights of Columbus? You know, I'm friends with them. Um, I'm a fan for sure. I, I must say I'm not a knight personally. I feel like, you know, I, I've got my vows and I can mm-hmm. support those guys in other ways. Um, on many of our college campuses, we have Knights of Columbus groups of uh, male students who are terrific guys. The reason I asked that, Father, is because um, producer Dave Imhoff and I, we, we work doing a lot of stuff for the Knights of Columbus and we've, we've done uh, Days of Reflection. And Dave has, has really worked to show Father McGivney's charisms. And, and a lot of those charisms were, I believe, are very close to St. Ignatius. So, you know, a lot of service, you know, to, you know, so I just, I was curious if there was, you know, if there was a, the spirituality of the Knights of Columbus and, and the Jesuits had any kind of a crossover. Yeah. Again, I think there's a lot of friendship there. Um, you know, even I'm thinking of kind of this, this movement in the church that kind of started after the Reformation that is sometimes called the Devotio Moderna, so modern devotion, which often enough is a really beautiful gift in the church of sort of kind of bringing Christ out into the world, you know, finding him in our daily lives, Um, even for lay people to be really engaged, even leaders in their faith. Um, You know, in a certain sense, at earlier stages in the church, sometimes it was clear, like, yeah, the monasteries, those are really the spiritual centers um, of the church in the world. I, I got friends in monasteries, too. You know, I love visiting those guys. But kind of this this spiritual movement is saying, you know, also of, and bringing Christ into the world, this, this modern devotion of all kinds of things, the rosary, um, that examine prayer, making a retreat in daily life. These are all ways to encounter Christ in daily life. You bring up a good point about modern spirituality. I'm going to ask you about the, the new mass versus the traditional mass, mm-hmm. the traditional Latin mass. Now, we've already said that, you know, our church is a universal church and that there is so much for everybody mm-hmm. that some people get more out of, say, the, the, the modern traditional mass, while others get a tremendous amount from the Latin mass. Is there benefits to either? Sure, sure. Um, and of course, St. Ignatius, he would have celebrated uh, you know, the old mass, the Latin Tridentine mass. Um, he lived in the 1500s, um, the Council of Trent that really helped, um, you know, even kind of focus the church's liturgy on the mass. Um, I have I have attended what it's also called the extraordinary form of the mass. Um, I found it Beautiful, you know, definitely elements of kind of the mystery of faith that are maybe more present there. Of course, I've also been to and presided at really beautiful liturgies in, you know, let's say the cathedral in St. Louis, Missouri, one of my favorite places to pray. That's my hometown, um, where there's a beautiful organ and a choir and there's mosaics all over. You know, it's just stunning that, um, you know, the new mass can certainly be celebrated with you know, solemnity and great beauty. I have some Jesuit and priest buddies who are familiar with both forms of the mass. And even they'll say, you know, they can kind of help inform one another. I think this is what uh, Pope Benedict XVI said, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the extraordinary form can help inform the ordinary form. Um, you know, as we kind of dig into the traditions of the church to see 
you know, the kind of more full uh, ritual celebrations you might have in a Latin mass that even helps us kind of understand and enter into the new mass. I've been looking for somebody to comment on that and uh, beautifully done, Father. Beautiful. <laughs> I just want to comment on that last point and maybe Father, you can prove me wrong or, or not prove me wrong, but, or, or debate it a little bit, but I've been, um, I, I've been studying the catechism. I've been studying, I've been paying a lot of attention at mass and the, the liturgy itself. And we really uh, celebrate our faith through the liturgy. And when, when the liturgy is celebrated in the, uh, you know, in the language you understand uh, versus some language you don't understand, like Latin. I went, I went to travel to Poland and I went to, to Mass and I knew what was going on, but, you know, I, I didn't understand I, the, the readings or, or, the, or the homily. The, the whole mass is packaged around celebrating the faith and, and what we believe. And mm -hmm. me in the vernacular, what the language you understand for the common Joe, I think is so much more important so that they can, you know, again, celebrate and, and you know, continue to form their faith and they're on the journey along the way. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of people, not a lot, but there are those that really feel it it's disrespectful or something to be doing it in the vernacular versus Latin. Mm -hmm. And is that, Oh, you know, and I, I, I would disagree with that. I think it's important that people understand what's going on in the mass so that they can learn and it helps them on their journey. What's your thoughts on those, that perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I've been able to travel. Um, I've been to Europe a couple times on some, pilgrimage events. Uh, I got to see Loyola, Spain, place where Ignatius himself lived and walked, uh, been to Rome. And, and definitely it is beautiful and striking to, you can attend a mass in another country, in another language. And, you know, while you don't understand the words, also you, you know what's going on. You know, the, the ritual, the rhythm is the same. Like, okay, I bet this is the Lamb of God. This, this is sort of the part in the mass and we do that. Or, um, now I can pray the Our Father because I know that's what everybody else is doing, even if I don't speak Italian. Um, so we certainly have some of that university universality still. You know, I do hear people say, gosh, but have we lost something that we're not all speaking the same language together? Um, again, there's kind of interplay there. You know, we can do some of the responses in Latin. So we can, Agnus Dei can be sung quite beautifully um, in an English mass, but that part can be in Latin. Um, also, I spent some time in our Jesuit mission in Belize in Central America. Um, this is a former British colony, a uh, longtime mission of the Jesuits. And I was out in these little Mayan villages where the local people, they speak first Mayan, which is you know, something like Navajo. It would be you know, a, a Native American uh, language you know, unique to that part of the world. Next, a few of them spoke some Spanish because it's right on the border of Guatemala. And then kind of their third language would be English. So pretty much the arrangement is the Jesuit comes in and does his part in English, and then they respond in Mayan, which is you know, fascinating, beautiful, powerful, because they don't exactly know what I'm saying, but actually they do. And I don't quite know what they're saying, but then again, I know exactly what they're saying. 
So we really are blessed in the Catholic Church with uh, our tradition and the beauty of the Mass. You know, Father, Dave and I have been involved with um, Axe Community, uh, Axe Retreats. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give away anything that's done in there, but we obviously, you know, we pray the rosary, used to pray the rosaries in the morning. And one of the things that they say is if you feel comfortable saying this in your native language, go right ahead. So you'll be hearing the Hail Marys being said in, you know, English mostly, but then, you know, there will be that, that one French person or, you know, one, one gentleman was from the Philippines and, and he, he prayed it in, in his native language of the Philippines. And it was just, it just added like that universality to it that, that made it nice, but we knew what was being said because we were saying it in our own language. So yeah, I think they kind never, of, never missed the beat because, you know, you, you would say the first half of the, you know, someone would say the first half of the Hail Mary and then the rest of the group would re- reply with the second half. And, you you know, we never miss the beat where, you know, you're always jumping in in the second half at the right time. So, And then I love, do you guys do those like little fishing bracelets? Is that part of it? Yes, we do. Yeah. (laughs) I always, I always notice when guys are wearing those. I'm like, okay, you just had a good retreat. Yeah, they were, they were good. Um, It's too bad COVID. Dave, you're still actually on the the Connecticut council, aren't you? I'm in, uh, yeah, the Willimantic court. Okay. But it's... Obviously, been you know very inactive. I mean, uh, due to COVID. Hopefully, we can begin in in um, the fall. We're looking to to start up again. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and I hope we have kind of some pent up desire for these things. You know, people will say, "Gosh, I've been in my house for eleven months." You know, I, when it's possible, when it's safe. You know, I want community. I want to pray with my brothers. I want to gather at mass again. So I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll have a kind of, you know, great renewal in these areas. Now, Father, you're doing these, you're doing retreats. Dave and I have found that like these one day retreats or these like morning retreats, it's really more accessible for people, you know, okay. to do that. But I, I do hope that we can get back to those weekend retreats because they were very, very edifying for me. I think you meet people where they are, Dave, where... You know, you try to take, I, to me, you take away the excuses. So you do a weekend retreat. It's expensive. It takes a lot of time. You're away from your family, uh, you know, all that. So, you know, you meet them where they are. Uh, you know, you eliminate the cost or you make the cost very low or, or nothing. Uh, we've been doing them virtually. So we got it down to we're doing uh, some some things on a Monday evening for about an hour using um, uh, this Into the Breach um, videos that, Knights Columbus uh, uh, made based on uh, Bishop Olmsted's little booklet. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that one, Father. I'll show you the pic. Here's the picture. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I've, little, I saw uh, that on your website and I've heard about it. Um, yeah. Is that that Spirituality for Men? Is that the book? It, it's for, it's about men. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's uh, Into the Breaches is about really the attack on uh, the family and the man and the man running away from his responsibilities and, mm-hmm. and, and all that type of stuff. But it, it's perfect for the nice of Columbus. And they made this beautiful um, 12 uh, video series. They're about 12 minutes long, 10 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're well done. Well, really well done. And uh, a nice little program. It takes us about an hour to go through for one video. We have discussion. 
stuff like that. So, yeah. Uh, so you meet, you know, you can get guys, the guys will spend an hour with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then after they spend an hour, maybe we'll do a Saturday morning or, you know, half a day and then, mm-hmm. you know, and build on it until we get to something where Gito's weekend retreats, you know, I don't know if you've ever been on an axe retreat, but they can be quite uh, powerful. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and you're not going to get that power, all that power in it in an hour. But if you can build on it, meet people where they are and bring them along, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're thinking anyway. Yeah, beautiful. Bravo for your creativity. Of, as you say, meeting guys where they're at. Uh, I've, I've heard confessions on a number of axe retreats and just found those, uh, you know, these are guys, these are good guys, you know, they've carved out time to be with the Lord. Nobody's perfect, but they're coming to him, you know, with honesty, with trust to be forgiven. And, uh, you know, Christ is never going to scrimp on his generosity to us. You said that the, the, the Ignatian retreats have 10 talks. Can you tell me about some of those talks? Sure, sure. So uh, St. Ignatius, um, again, kind of the, the full spiritual exercises. Okay, so 30 days, which, again, is, is great. But for a lot of people, that is not so easy to just tell your family, hey, see you guys later. Uh, I'll be back at you know, the end of March um, for this thing. Um, so my little book brings you through just the first the first portion of the retreat, actually. So quick overview. So Ignatius breaks it up into four weeks for the retreat. That's, that's his kind of term there. Again, presuming it's done over 30 days, but it's flexible. So lots of options. First week is really kind of self-introspection, but you know, I'm not just looking in a mirror, but rather I'm sort of asking the Lord to behold my heart, to bless my heart, renew my heart, heal my heart, you know, for those self-inflicted wounds, those sins that I'm responsible for. But even kind of the slings and arrows of the world around me, like, yeah, gosh, Lord, I've, I've been hurt. I need some healing. Um, you know, I don't trust you much because I've been around some people that really hurt me. So I need uh, your help there. Mm-hmm. It's a reflection on, you know, portions of scripture that can help me there. So, you know, book of Genesis, that's a classic, right? Adam and Eve, their fall, um, even kind of looking at something like the history of sin. So, uh, you know, the, the angel Lucifer who turns against God, Ignatius kind of has this just kind of reflect on that. And Ignatius says, actually, the proper response to sin is sorrow and confusion, sorrow and confusion, that I'm not going to figure this thing out. Uh, Steve Jobs does not have an app for that. We're not going to have a government program that's going to be the office of sin and forgiveness. Like, it just doesn't work that way. Like, it's mysterious. It's confusing. It's sad. But also, Christ the Lord is there to forgive me, renew me. He comes into the world because he loves sinners, myself included. So it's kind of several little exercises uh, to kind of help us along that path, as well as moments of real gratitude. You know, Lord, as I look on my life, uh, my family, I see your grace. I thank you. In a certain way, I even now feel more sorrow for my sins, Lord. And yet also I have a a renewed hope that you're going to be with me to guide me in the days ahead. So the the talks that you're talking about, if you hear them on one retreat, you you might hear the same talk again it's not like a witness talk or or things like that correct yeah mine is 
I tried to stick pretty close to the writings of St. Ignatius, um, mm. which again, he's largely kind of guiding you through different portions of the Christian mystery. You know, I do bring in some personal examples to hopefully uh, kind of make it real for people. You know, if you hear several Jesuits uh, on these topics, there's going to be, they're going to rhyme, you know, there's going to be a similarity to all of the Jesuit talks, but mm -hmm. hey, each of us is a little different, um, has our own experience, and so hopefully that's fruitful for people. Sure. Father, is there anything that you'd like to discuss, anything I'm missing, anything? Yeah, let me say just Dave and Dave, thank you. Um, what a beautiful outreach this is. And, uh, you know, again, you're kind of meeting people where they are, right? So I'm sure folks are listening to this uh, as they drive to the grocery store or uh, a young mom on a treadmill trying to squeeze in 20 minutes of exercise, but also get a little uh, spiritual fruit. Um, folks sitting at home who are still in coronavirus world. So mm. these little podcasts, you know, these are a big help, right? We're reaching people, connecting with their hearts. Again, I just say, look for those little pockets in the day, right? Um, start your day with prayer. Find a little pocket at midday to thank the Lord. Um, hey, a decade of the rosary, still pretty good. Um, one little line from scripture can touch your heart. So, you know, I applaud people who can make retreats, but even those little moments make a big difference. Father Joel Laramie, um, where people can get your book, Abide in the Heart of Christ, a 10-day self-retreat guide. They can get that on Amazon, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out. Yeah, we got a fancy website for my organization. Uh, we're at popesprayerusa.net. One more time, that's popesprayerusa.net. There's no spaces or punctuation. It's kind of all just uh, jammed together there. We got some great little prayers, reflections, resources. Um, I do some short videos every so often. You can check those out and pray with the Pope. Offer your heart to the sacred heart of Jesus. I have one last question, Father. Is it true that you really were the Red Ranger or Batman? <laughs> Man, you read my whole bio. Yeah, I did. I read the long version of it. <laughs> That's right. You know, these great saints gave up all kinds of things, right? So St. Peter gave up uh, being a fisherman. St. Ignatius was a soldier. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a saint, but I'm working on it. And uh, I gave up entertaining at kids' birthday parties. I was the Red Power Ranger. I was Batman. Um, had a lot of fun doing that. Um, sometimes those costumes get really hot, especially if it was like an outdoor summer event in St. Louis, that humidity. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, had a lot of fun. And, uh, the Lord does great things. He does. He is good. Father, would you mind giving us a blessing? I sure will. Let us pray. God, our Father, send down your spirit upon all of us, all those listening to this conversation. Lord, draw our hearts ever closer to the heart of your Son. Keep us close to the heart of Mary, our mother, that you may draw us more and more into your life, and we may be drawn into your mission and your gospel. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.